0: are listening to your community spirit on your community radio this is ord energy mon are you ready for the end of the world you are listening to your community spirit the show about caring sharing and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of mother earth you are listening to your community spirit this is ord energy mon and i want to thank everybody for the friendship drive it has finished people may still of course give money send in their pledges but i want to thank everybody in that highly energetic awesome week for stepping up and showing us that you are part of community radio. So, in a thank you, I would like you to call in and get this book. This book just got published April 11th. It's called The Genius of Birds by Jennifer Ackerman. The Wall Street Journal actually picked this as the top 10 nonfiction book of the year. And again, it just got published April 11th, and I've got a copy right here. For many years, animals have been longing knowledge and praise for their cognitive abilities. But in recent years, science has discovered that birds are far more intelligent than we imagined. This book is written in a lighthearted but highly informative style with evocative and fascinating descriptions of birds and their worlds. The Genius of birds is packed with revelations that will appeal not only to bird lovers and nature enthusiasts, but, of course, anyone interested in the evolution, of function of our own brain, intelligence, and behavior. Birds possess remarkable social abilities. They copy behavior from one another. They can be cunning, playful, deceptive, and manipulative. They eavesdrop gives gifts and teas. They cultivate social networks and vie for status. They kiss to console one another. They teach their young and alert one another to danger. Birds are astonishingly intelligent creatures. All right. This is the genius of birds. If you would like to have this copy, please give a call to 457-3691, and I will give the book to you because I want to thank you for supporting our community radio station. We are only one of a few dozen community radio stations in the nation here now let us get to the news. Science Wants You. This documentary series spotlights people taking science into their own hands. On the new PBS show, The Crowd in the Cloud, former NSA, I said NSA, it's NASA, excuse me, NASA, NASA chief scientist, introduces us to citizen scientists. These everyday folks helps professional scientists by gathering boots-on-the-ground data, testing air quality, tracking mosquitoes, measuring rainfall. Take these New York City high schoolers who are working at the Jamaica Bay National Wildlife Refuge after it was devastated by Hurricane Sandy. They're helping to restore native habitat by counting pollinators, collecting seeds, and planting new patches of pollinator-friendly plants. The more information scientists have, the better they can do their jobs. But gathering data can be tricky using traditional scientific monitoring. For example, a meteorologist might look at satellite imaging of a storm, but radar doesn't reveal if it's producing hail or how large the hailstones are. That's where citizen scientists come in. And guess what? You can become one yourself. If you would like to become a citizen scientist, please send an email, info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and I will send you the news link. Otherwise, it's slash join a project. So you're telling me there's a chance? Could we get climate action from Republicans? Energy Secretary Rick Perry is back in Texas this week to celebrate the fact that the state's largest coal plant is now outfitted with the world's largest carbon capture kit. Last week, the agribusiness giant Archer Daniels Midland cut the ribbon on a plant in Illinois that points its smokestacks down rather than up. This could be the beginning of a new wave. The Republican-led Congress is considering bills that could lay the groundwork for more, a lot more, carbon capture plants. Carbon capture isn't exactly beloved by greens. It still requires strip mines and oil derelicts, and there's a risk that carbon pumped into the ground may someday escape. For precisely that reason, however... It may be the one action to curb carbon emissions that could get support from conservative members of Congress. A Republican voting for environment with environmentalists risks looking like a traitor to the party's base. Now, carbon capture technology also has the backing of the fossil fuel industry, agribusiness, unions, and, whisper this last part, some environmental groups. Quote, Carbon capture is in one area where you can actually imagine cooperation on energy policies these next few years. Paul Bledsoe, a senior energy fellow at the Progressive Policy Institute. After all, Republicans hope to make good promises that they could create energy jobs somehow. Coal jobs, unfortunately, alone aren't going to cut it. Am I right or am I right? Young Republicans want to rescue us from climate denial. College-age conservatives increasingly say that climate change is a human-caused problem and they're ready to do something about it. When the Thomson Reuters Foundation surveyed 21 Republican clubs at colleges across the nation, about half of the clubs reported that their members believe climate change is human caused, while only a quarter had mixed opinions, and others said the issue you know, didn't come up. Compare that to an October 2016 Pew Research poll, which found that only 15% of Republicans of all ages believe climate change is mostly the cause of human activity. According to experts, the age gap is acknowledging climate scientists in acknowledging climate science may signal a coming shift among Republicans from party line denial to widespread concern. Quote, when our generation is in power, we will take climate change much more seriously. End quote. Grace Woodward, president of the Republican Club at Davidson College in North Carolina, told Reuters, if she's got anything to do with it, then we look forward to a day when the Republican caucus in Congress isn't made up of mostly climate deniers. That day couldn't come soon enough. Meet the Fixer. This policy wonk shows state leadership on solar. Today, California has 100,000 solar jobs, by far the most of any state. You can credit David Hochschild for some of that. In 2001, Hochschild co-founded the advocacy group Vote Solar with Adam Browning, who previously ran a pollution prevention program at the Environmental Protection Agency. The duo built out the program's finely tuned combination of policy advising, public engagement, and coalition building. Vote Solar is now 60,000 member strong, operates in 25 states, and has helped spear initiatives like the California's 3,000-megawatt Go Solar California program, enough capacity to power roughly 650,000 homes. Hutchchild is now commissioner for the California Energy Commission, the state's main energy policy and planning agency. He and his team have funded early stage biofuel projects, crafted emergency policy responses to California's drought, and released energy standards for next generation light bulbs. Hutchchild embraces the idea that more and more states will look to California as a leader in clean energy. Quote, You can't stop. Rooftop solar now, he says. (laughs) The mouse that roared. That's the title. A Teeny Iowa Paper just won a Pulitzer Prize for tackling farm pollution. Let me read that again. A tiny Iowa paper just won a Pulitzer Prize for tackling farm pollution. This year's prize for editorial writing went to Art Cullen at the Storm Lake Times. His winning series of editorials was about the fertilizer runoff that contaminates rivers that provide drinking water for the people of Des Moines. The Des Moines Water Works got tired of spending millions of dollars to filter nitrate pollution out of the city's water supply, so it sued upstate regulators, as Grist Magazine reported in 2015. As the lawsuit progressed, Cullen revealed in his editorials that big ag corporations were helping to fund the defense against the case. Now, Cullen is clearly on the side of water drinkers that didn't blind him to the arguments of farmers, quote... We understand why agriculture objects, he wrote. Farmers have built their livelihoods within a system that has long allowed them to dump massive amounts of fertilizers into waterways. Some farmers argue that if cities now want cleaner water, they should pay for it. But Cullen argued that it's the farmer's responsibility to keep pollution out of the water. A federal judge dismissed the Des Moines Waterworks lawsuit last month and some Iowa lawmakers are trying to dismantle the waterworks. The Pulitzer Prize now provides some vindication not just to Cullen, but the others pushing to clean up Iowa's water. In news closer to home, really windy city? Chicago wants to dominate in renewable energy. Wait a second. I never thought I would read this title. Chicago wants to dominate in renewable energy. Mayor Rahm Emanuel announced this week that the city plans to power all of its public buildings with clean energy by 2025. To put things in perspective, Chicago's municipal buildings and equipment account for about 8% of the city's electrical consumption. If Chicago follows through on the commitment, it'll beat out Las Vegas to become the largest U.S. city to make the transition. Chicago plans to meet its goal through a combination of solar and wind projects in the city, clean energy supplied by utilities, and renewable energy credits. Quote, as the Trump administration pulls back on building a clean energy economy, Chicago is doubling down, end quote, said Emmanuel. He was referring to President Trump's recent executive order aimed at dismantling President Obama's clean energy power, well, clean power plan, which was intended to move the country toward renewable energy. We've said that the cities would lead the way, the way on climate change in the Trump era, era, and now Chicago is actually showing how that's done. <music> Green screen. Watch this trailer featuring good-looking people learning about climate change. You thought all the babes were already significantly unalarmed and engaged? Not quite yet. The new documentary, Tomorrow, follows inglorious Bastards actress Melanie Laurent and activist director Cyril Dayan as they come to grips with the fact that climate change is going to seriously screw up both their days and their children's forever and ever like a growing number of people around the globe they decide it's a problem that we need to address the two travel around the world to learn about creative alternatives to the the, the future that trump etc are designing for us now tomorrow the new documentary tomorrow will open in san francisco today april 14th and in new york and los angeles on april 21st not exactly the places where the message is most needed, but you know, if you go see the film in one of those cities, there's a better chance it will get distributed where it will do the most good. If you would like the link to watch the trailer featuring good-looking people learning about climate change, send us an email, info at yourcommunityspirit. Well, that was the news, and now if you would like to get a copy of all the at stuff I talked about, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. I don't know if you know, but it's April, and this week is Garden Week. Some of the holidays also this week is International Moment of Laughter. <laughs> That's today. Have I made you laugh yet? Look up at the sky day. Um, don't you have anything better to do? But the sky is, well, it is phenomenal. National Dolphin Day. National Pecan Day. Reach as high as you can day. Husband Appreciation Day. Rubber Erase Day. That sucks day. Which is also Titanic Remembrance Day and World Art Day. So um, feel free to make some art about the Titanic, but remember, it's also That Sucks Day, so don't worry, it could suck. Easter, Mushroom Day, National Eggs Benedict Day, and also National Librarian Day. Did you know that the 16th is National Stress Awareness Day? It's also Save the Elephant and Bat Appreciation Day and blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's just three blahs day. And National Cheeseball Day. Coming up is Pet Owners Independence Day on the 17th and International Juggling, Juggling Day. That probably applies to multitasking office workers too. That's the 18th. The 19th is National Garlic Day. The 20th is National High Five Day, and for some reason I don't like it. But it's also Volunteer Recognition Day, so give a volunteer a high five. April is Earth Month, and so in the community, at SIU they would like to celebrate the Earth year-round. However, April 22nd is Earth Day, and April 28th is Arbor Day, And SIU is treating the entire month of April as Earth Month. Since events occur campus-wide and and in the community, the Sustainability Office has created a calendar to help you know what's happening. If you would like to, I mean, this is so detailed. We're talking tons of stuff. I can email it to you, info at yourcommunityspirit.com so you can see all the stuff that's happening. Otherwise, sustainability.siu.edu has some more information. One of the events for Earth Month is sign-making events for Climate and Science March. That's today at 2 p.m. at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. Make your own sign for the People's Climate March and the March for Science. I probably should look up when those dates are. I think both of them are right around Earth Day. Bring your own cardboard and supplies, or use those provided. Make your own sign, and maybe a few extra for other marchers. Let's send a message to our leaders in the world, with, w- in solidarity with marchers worldwide. Coming up on Saturday, All Species Puppet Making Parade. This is the, of course, this is the last puppet-making workshop before the parade. The beloved Puppetistas invite you to the last puppet-making workshop. Come make your puppet. Stop by and say hello. That The All Species Puppet Workshop is at Carbondale Main Street Saturday at 10 a.m. And I'm sure that'll be for a few hours because puppets... Take some fun time to make, right? Also on Saturday, the Labyrinth Peace Park Restoration Group. Saturday, april fifteenth at 1.30 PM at Guy House Interface Center. New members are welcome. If you like the labyrinth, that's a question. Have you ever been to the Labyrinth Peace Park? It is in the park right next to the Guy House and Harbaugh's Cafe. If you like the Labyrinth and want to learn more about the restoration project, upcoming events, what you can do to help, this is a good opportunity to get involved. Labyrinth Peace Park Restoration Group, Saturday at 1.30 at Guy House Interface Center. Now, if any of these happenings you didn't get everything, please feel free to email me. Info at your spirit.org or if you have a happening you want us to announce on the radio, there's two ways you can get it on here. The best of course is to email us info at your spirit.org and also post it on the wdbx.org calendar page. This is where most of us um, DJs and talk show hosts get our happenings and what we talk about that's happening in the community. You can get on there, sign up, and fill out the form. It's not that difficult. Wdbx.org calendar page. Coming up on Sunday, the New Humanist Forum, Unexplained Consciousness Events. Sunday, April 16th at 12.15 p.m., Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. We've all had these experiences, a premonition of an event, that really does happen or a sudden awareness of a loved one in crisis. Join uh, Robert DeFilippis as a for a discussion about his book, Unexplained Consciousness Events, Exploring the Possibilities. One does not need to have read the book to participate. Robert DeFilippis has written co-ops for regional co-written op-eds for regional newspapers and currently writes for Opt news and nationofchange.com. He has authored five previous books and several dozens of published essays on topics such as s- topics such as science, r- religion, social events, and other idiosyncrasies man, my brain and my mouth can't keep up now anymore. of human social constructions. The New Humanist Forum is a member-led group devoted to exploring together all the many facets of what it means to be truly human. You don't have to be a fellowship member. The community is invited to this free event. Also, mark your calendar for the Native Plant Giveaway, Wednesday, April 19th through Friday, April 21st, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on SAU Carbondale. During Earth Week, SIU's Environment Club, SIU Sense, that's Students Embracing Nature, Sustainability, and the Environment, invites you to take home a native plants. Potential available species include a Shasta Daisy, Purple Coneflower, Yellow Coneflower, Bee Bomb, Butterfly Milkweed, and Black-Eyed Susan. They plan to be set up in the fainter breezeway. Stay tuned. For more information, contact Megan at siu sense or siu at gmail.com. Well, when I don't have Tree Song to be here to chat with me, I tend to get through the news very quickly. So I'm about two minutes early, which means I get to reiterate the fact that I'm giving away this book that just got published the genus of birds by jennifer ackerman this was just published on the 11th and of course um somehow i got an early release copy because um we usually are behind in the news the genus of birds this book is written with a light but assured touch her prose is in fact is rich in fact, but economical in delivering it. Fans of birds and all their diversity will want to read read this one. If you give a call at 457-3691, I will give you a copy of this book about birds. Just published, brand new. 457-3691. I look forward to seeing you on the radio again next week. And if you would like your happenings to happen, send an email to info at yourcommunityspirit.org. (sighs)
1: Back home. It's time for the news from Back Home Magazine. This week's news is about a building technique called straw bale construction. Did you know that you can build a garage, a workshop, even a home, using bales of straw coated with mortar? Contrary to what we learned about the big bad wolf, Puffing and puffing to blow down the little pig's straw house, real-life straw bale buildings are extremely durable. In fact, straw bale structures that were built at the turn of the last century in Nebraska are not only standing, but some are still lived in today. In the arid climate of the southwest in California, new homes are being built with straw bales. In the deep south, with the heat and humidity, A straw bale house in Alabama is listed in the official National Register of Historic Places. So, even if straw bale buildings strike you as unusual and possibly amusing, it's not a new idea, and there are good reasons why folks are taking a closer look at this technique. First and foremost, it's inexpensive. Construction costs can be as low as $5 a square foot. Compared to a conventional cost of $75 a square foot and up, it's not hard to get a frugal person's attention. Next, it's relatively easy to build with bales of straw, and it's also a fast way to build.